Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, May 9th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's financial show, we're talking a little crypto. Yeah, a little something different. We don't do many shows focused on crypto, but today we're giving you just that. And it's because joining me this week, it's our own Dan Kaplinger. Dan, thanks so much for being here this week. You bet, Jason. It's glad to, I'm glad to be here. It's nice to be on a, on a different show. You know, it's nice doing the Financial Planning Power Hour with Bro every week, but it's, it's good to be doing something else. So well, I'm really happy to be with you today. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, you just mentioned the Financial Planning Power Hour with Bro. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of great experience talking about personal finance and all of that kind of stuff with Bro. And it, it, it really does tie so much to a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this show, even if it's not terrifically stock centric. Um, it, it all it all ties together. But you know, when you we, you and I were kicking around ideas for today's show, you you really captured my attention when you brought up crypto, just because when we we got further into the conversation, you clearly have been following the space for a while. And it seems like maybe you've you've I don't know if you've fully changed your mind, but it seems like your opinion certainly has evolved over time in regard to the matter. And, and it's become such a point of focus for so many investors out there today. Uh, folks looking for information, understanding what is real, what is not so real. Uh, pockets of this of this market where there may be opportunity in areas where uh, folks folks may want to want to be a little bit more careful so I, I just this this I think is going to be a really fun conversation um and I really wanted just to start it off with giving you the opportunity to talk about let's go back to the very beginning here because you've been writing articles about Bitcoin really going back as early as 2010 right yeah, I mean, I you know, it, 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 Bitcoin's been around for a little over a decade, and I've been writing about Bitcoin for not quite since it started, but very close to when it started. And I was the original Bitcoin skeptic. I mean, yeah. I, I took a look at what was going on, and it seemed like it was this sort of endless cycle of disappointment. <laughs> you know, you'd you'd have these huge spikes up. And then you'd have these huge spikes back. And it seemed like sort of, you know, you'd lure in speculation and people would end up buying high. And then you'd have this big pullback, 50, 60, 70, 80%. You know, people would get wiped out if, you know, it just happened over and over and over again. I mean, you know, I went back, I looked at the chart. Bitcoin went from 12 bucks down to $2.50 in 2011. Went from 225 bucks down to 60 in uh, 2013. Went from 1100 bucks down to 170 uh, between 2013 and 2015. A couple of years ago, it was up to close to 20,000, dropped to 3,000. You know, so yeah, if, if I, as the skeptic, I was focused on the downsides. I was looking yeah. at those. I was saying, boy, 80% loss, 75% loss, 80% loss. How could you possibly invest in this? And, you know, recently, more recently, I've been kind of thinking about it and I'm sort of looking at it and it's like, well, okay, yes, but, you know, you look at the chart and on the left, you're on the low and on the right, you're on the high. 
And then I, you know, I tried to think, well, okay, what does this remind me of? And frankly, it reminds me of a lot of high growth stocks that we have followed over the years where you get these stellar periods of growth. And then you get these hugely disappointing pullbacks, these really painful pullbacks that threaten to jeopardize your long-term investing strategy. Uh, And those who manage to get through those are rewarded by another big upturn. And yes, you know, once you get used to it, you sort of take these big downturns as kind of par for the course. But if you, you know, you believe in the investing mindset of what you're investing in, then eventually you expect it to grow. And at least so far, that's what Bitcoin's done. That's what a lot of crypto stuff has done. Now, this is one moment in time. And like you say, I mean, I, I, I'm always going to be a skeptic. I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic by nature. So, you know, I'm never going to buy in 100% on this stuff, but my thought process has definitely evolved and it has a lot to do with market psychology. It has a lot to do with the way the perception of what crypto is not just by, you know, sort of the nerds and geeks who started the thing, but by ordinary people who are now paying close attention to something that was off way off in the corner, you know, not that long ago, just a few years yeah. ago. Well, and I think for for a lot of us the 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 questions center probably around is this a currency? Is it an asset? What's the ultimate purpose? Is this supposed to be a medium of exchange or a store of value? Uh, I mean, not just Bitcoin, but talking about crypto in general, it seems difficult right now to say it's a worthy medium of exchange just simply because of the volatility, the risks that come with the price that that you just, that you just went through there. But, but to that point, I mean, regardless whether you look at it one way or the other, I mean, there, there historically, there have been big risks with crypto that, that go beyond the volatility, that go beyond the price. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I'm 50 and I grew up in a time when I could count on if I put my money in a bank account, that bank account was going to be there. If something weird happened to my bank, then the federal government's standing behind it and they will make sure that my money is safe. Yeah. Um, that's not something that my grandfather and grandmother were able to take for granted. And so when I would talk to them about um, you know, what it was like in the 1920s, in the 1930s, when you had bank failures and you had runs on banks and you, you know, you've got these historical pictures, of these people lined up around the corner uh, like, you know, somebody trying to buy an iPhone on the first day that it comes out, except they were at their bank. They were trying to get money out while the bank still had some money in the vault. And if they were, you know, if, if they got in, they got some money. And if they were too far back in the line, they didn't. You know, we don't understand that. We just yeah. see the bank as, well, it's protected. Well, we've, we, if you wonder what that's like, just look at the crypto market because a lot of people, even as crypto prices have gone up, a lot of people have lost all their crypto holdings because of you know the the crypto equivalent of runs on the bank. I mean, you've, yeah. you have these cryptocurrency exchanges; they get hacked, the stuff gets lost. I mean, you know, you've, you, the biggest ones, Mount Gox, four hundred and fifty million bucks worth of crypto, you're like vaporized, gone. And yeah. you know, the nature of crypto, it's like 
crypto's like like hundred dollar bills. I mean, once it's gone, it's gone in the <laughs> sense that you know you you're not gonna get it back. It's not right. like a credit card. You know, you dispute the charge and suddenly the money's back in your account. It's gone. Um, you know, and then you have all these stories about these people who like, you know, they 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 put the Bitcoin in their wallet and they in their digital wallet and they've got, you know, a thousand bitcoins that they paid a dollar for. Now they're, you know, it's worth tens of millions of dollars. But <laughs> oops, I forgot the password and I only get five tries and there's no, you know, there's no challenge question. It's not a matter of remembering my my daughter's middle name or something like that. It's like, you know, there's 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 billion there's millions of dollars at stake because I I blew it. I messed a password up. So it's it's just there's risks. My point being, there's risks involved. It's not just a matter of, you know, Bitcoin or whatever crypto you like, the price is going up or down violently, which it is. And that is a risk. But there's also sort of this nature of crypto is a totally different thing. And if you're not prepared to handle it, then you can get burned by it and it can be a really costly burn. You know, it's so funny. You said that about, uh, 1920s, 1930s, talking to grandparents, and I vividly remember my grandfather on my father's side, same time period. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, you would find in his house and in his attic, he would have those jars, you know, like a a pickle jar you would find at like a convenience store, like one of those massive jars of pickles up on the counter or whatever. You would have like just jars and jars with nickels and pennies and dimes because that, that that was safety. That's what he knew. Yeah. That was the safety he could depend on. And that's something you're right. We don't, we, it's not, it's not anything we've ever had to really deal with. And, and that's a mentality now that we're kind of having to come to grips here with in regard to crypto, because it's so new. There's so much we don't know. And I think that that lack of knowledge it, it certainly creates at least some of the skepticism, but I mean, to your point there about, Losing a password, uh, picking the wrong institution. I mean, the market, it, it seems like now we're seeing progress. The market is it, certainly trying to address some of those risks. I, I guess I just wonder if it's still enough because it sure, it sure feels like a lot of folks are still in in crypto in general speculating and, and more than likely most don't really know what they're getting into. But how? I mean, how is the market addressing that? How How is the market trying to take on that risk? I, I think it's a fair statement to say there's a lot of people speculating and it's just a matter of, you know, the, the price goes up and they feel good and the price goes down and they feel bad. And they they yeah. don't necessarily know kind of the implications of what they're doing. That, that's always going to be the case with, with anything like this. And, and I think you sort of have to accept that. But one reason I think you have crypto gaining in acceptance is just that you have mainstream players who are trying to capitalize on it. I mean, it's an opportunity. Yeah. It's a profit opportunity. It's been a niche profit opportunity until now. Now it's going mainstream. And now the big players are starting to wake up and say, hey, we're not going to let these niche players have all the fun. Let's <laughs> come in and 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 take advantage of it. And so, you know, you've got Goldman Sachs reactivating its cryptocurrency desk. You've got Fidelity finding ways, working with partners to start, uh, you know, holding custody of crypto. You've got other Wall Street players trying to figure out the custody game because really custody is kind of the thing. I mean, it's, it's that fear. It's that, you know, where do I hold it? If, if it's in this digital wallet, I got to remember my password. You know, the last thing I want to do is park my money at some institutional fund 
and then have whoever's running the institutional fund, they forget their password. And then suddenly it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy, now, now here yeah. I am. So, I don't think you can use you know, Optum and, for and, that, can you? <laughs> and, you and you're trying to get like, you know, you're, you're also starting to see different ways to invest in it. So, yeah. you know, when the, when the futures exchanges started allowing Bitcoin derivatives to start trading on, you know, recognized, regulated markets, that was a big boom because, you know, any financial institution, any institutional investor, you know, they don't want to deal with this digital wallet nonsense, but a futures contract, they do those all the time. It's not a problem. Yeah. Um, you're starting to finally see exchange traded funds come up. There's been a couple they just got approved up in Canada. Um, you know, you've got the SEC. It's kind of, it's been kind of sitting on, there've been a bunch of companies trying to come up with Bitcoin and other uh, crypto ETFs here in the States for quite a while. The SEC has kind of been sitting on them. They're getting more, more, more and more pressured to stop sitting on them. I think you're going to see forward progress on that. And as that forward progress happens, um, you know, it, it, it's just become easier and easier to trade them. I mean, you know, a lot of people I know, the, the reason they went to Robinhood and, and download that app had nothing to do with stocks. It's because they let you buy and sell crypto and the fees were reasonable. And so they were totally fine with it. Yeah. Uh, PayPal, you know, you look at PayPal holdings, their earnings over the past couple of quarters, they introduced crypto purchasing, you know, towards the end of 2020. And they've seen huge increases, not just in that side of the business, but just in active users overall. It's like, you know, once they started offering the crypto, well, suddenly, you know, okay, well, fine. I had to have a PayPal account to buy my Bitcoin. But hey, you know, I could actually pay for my online purchase with PayPal, just like I always could have for the past 15 years, but I never <laughs> really cared about it. But now Bitcoin was sort of my my gateway, and now suddenly I'm using the PayPal stuff too. So yeah, yeah, it's just all kinds of things that are kind of aligning in a way to make awareness of the cryptocurrencies kind of kind of bring it more into the general awareness. And once that happens, you start kind of seeing these these cross sell opportunities, these alignments, these opportunities for alliances and partnerships and and, and, and that gets the creative juices flowing. And then suddenly the industry looks a lot different from what it did when it was just kind of this back corner niche kind of deal. Yeah. And, you know, by the same token, you still have you still have plenty of folks very, very high up in the banking world, smart, smart people who, who aren't they're They're not bought in. And I mean, you, you could argue that maybe they're not bought in because their incentives dictate that to whatever degree. But I like Jamie Dimon, for example, CEO of JP Morgan. I mean, I, I, I look at him and, and I, I take I take what he says seriously, right? He's, he's got some experience. He knows what he's talking about. He's been in the business for a while. It's very interesting to see his perspective on Bitcoin. And, and, and I would assume this just extends to crypto in general. But I mean, he, you know, he's not a Bitcoin supporter, he said. And one thing he noted recently that it, to me, this is what stuck it made me think, you know what, that now I, I this is this is kind of how I feel because he said people have to remember that a currency is supported by the taxing authority of a country, the rule of law, a central bank. And in in we're kind of in the wild west here still with crypto, right? There is that lack of support. There's that lack of confidence that that there is 
a, a taxing authority. There's a country. There's rule of law. It, it does seem like right now it's a little bit of, of a Wild West sort of a scenario. So with that in mind, and I mean, I'm not saying it'll always be that way. Maybe, maybe it won't, but, but we, we obviously need to, need to tread carefully at least. So I, I guess I wonder, uh, when it comes to crypto, let's talk about some of the things that you like and some of the things that you don't like, uh, given, given the way your thoughts have evolved uh, over the years. What, what are some of the things that you like? What are the, some of the things that you don't like when it comes to crypto? So... I agree with what you're saying with respect to sort of the macroeconomic stuff. I respect Jamie Dimon quite a bit. And, you know, what he says, it carries a lot of weight. I think there's a bunch of different ways to look at, at crypto, what its, what its purpose is. And that's, that's part of the interesting thing about the market is, you know, with, with a stock, Usually, you know, when somebody buys a stock, it's because they expect the company to do well. Now, maybe you might think that some different part of the company would do well than what I think. But in general, right. we're both we're all rooting for the company. Yeah. For buying crypto, it's a lot different. I mean, people buy crypto for a whole bunch of different reasons. I mean, you can buy you can buy Bitcoin because you think that it is a store of wealth. Uh, and we can agree or disagree on that. Um, the, the crypto applications I like the best are the ones that when I look into the use case, I can kind of figure out, okay, why does this thing have value? What, what is it doing? What is it trying to accomplish? Why? Does because it I feel like, why is it, you know, because a lot of this stuff is just sort of like, it's there. And it's like, yeah. you know, well, you know, what is doggy coin? You know, what's Dogecoin there for? Sorry. This is <laughs> a thing. Okay. I love calling it. It feels I'm always going to call it doggy coin. <laughs> I mean, I want to call it doggy coin. The, the reason that it's there, it, it was created as a joke. And so, you know, as a joke, if that's its fundamental thing, then people are playing with it and entertainment has value. I mean, people yeah. play the lottery. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But what I, what I like are the, you know, the, the, the cryptos that I find more interesting are the ones that they have a use case that can, I can kind of get behind. I can kind of figure out, okay, that's what they're trying to do with it. And so, you know, uh, Ethereum. It makes a lot more sense to me than Bitcoin does uh, because crypto, you know, if you assume that cryptocurrency is an environment that is going to, you know, it has an interest level, it has people using it, it has people trying to innovate with it, then, you know, having essentially the gas that runs the whole network, uh, and a lot of people are using the Ethereum network to kind of, you know, deal with the, uh, you know, to do the things that they're trying to do with crypto generally. If you need Ethereum, if you need Ether for that, then owning Ether has value. And as long as there is demand for the things that take Ether to do, then Ether will have value. Um, it's the same thing with the Ripple token XRP. You know, I, I was fascinated by Ripple because, you know, the idea of moving money uh, around the world at a, as fast a pace as possible was really interesting to me. I, you know, I've tried to do some international transactions every once in a while. It's a pain in the neck. I mean, you know, you That's go to your bank, work. your bank doesn't necessarily know what the heck they're doing. Uh, <laughs> banks in other countries, they're sort of like, well, are you using the, you know, are you using the SWIFT network? And then suddenly, you know, my local town bank is a SWIFT. What the heck is that? And it's just like, you know, it's, it's like speaking a foreign language. And so, yeah. you know, a, a token like XRP that somehow facilitates that transaction in exchange for you need to use some of this token in order to make it work. 
that I understand. That makes sense. That has value. I don't necessarily know what the value is. It has value to me, might have value to you. And so if there's enough people interested to make a market, then the market can come up with a value. And that makes total sense. Um, those make sense to me. The, the ones that are more kind of like these collector items things, it, those I have a little bit more difficulty understanding because I've always had trouble understanding you know, the dynamics of collectibles. Yeah. You know, a baseball card. Why is a baseball card, you know, who's paying a million dollars for a baseball card and why do you do <laughs> yeah. that? I think, I think the answer is as individual as the individual collector's motivations are. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, and that's fine for an individual item. But when you start talking about, you know, a, a mass market like what Bitcoin has become, uh, you know, it, it seems kind of, you know, the, the rule of the mob in some yeah. ways. And so that's, you know, that's kind of where I'd, where I, where I, where I'm comfortable with one side of crypto versus another side of crypto. What is, uh, what is Binance? So Binance is an exchange. It is, uh, you know, sort of the same type of thing, uh, that Coinbase is doing. Coinbase just had their, uh, their, their, their publicly traded stock. Now Binance is not publicly traded. Um, you know, Binance has, it has a couple of platforms. It has one U.S. only platform uh, for crypto trading because uh, the U.S. basically said, uh, if you're going to be doing business in the U.S., you, you need to do it with us. Uh, Binance.com is a, is a separate one that the rest of the world uses. And, um, you know, yeah, you can, you can trade a whole bunch of stuff there. The, the fees are relatively low. They're lower than Coinbase's fees. Um, but, but the thing that's interesting, you know, there, they have their own token, uh, it's a BNB, uh, the, you know, the, the Binance token and it, uh, its value has gone up, has gone way up. And that's one of those where I understand the use case too, uh, with that, because if you are a trader on the Binance platform and you own their token, you can use that token to pay your trading fees and they will give you a discount and like it's a 25% discount. And so there it's, you know, like I totally understand why that token went up. It's because there's yeah. a whole bunch of people trading cryptocurrencies, a bunch of new account holders on Binance. They're buying the token to get the discount. And so there you go. And I can, you know, I can understand that. I can understand that if cryptocurrency like suddenly goes out of favor and nobody's trading the thing anymore, then this Binance BNB token is probably going to go down through the floor again because people won't need it because they're not going to trade it because suddenly they don't care about crypto anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, it is. It just it's 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 got it's the values. People ascribe value to it and, and you, you get to a point where they'll ascribe so much. Um, I mean, clearly. Bitcoin has been the the crux of the story up to now. Uh, what we're seeing now more than ever, though, and and it was really kind of bizarre to me to see this kind of manifest itself in in, a, in the form of a Saturday Night Live over the weekend. Which, I mean, I, I got to admit, I mean, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in probably twenty years. But the fact remains that Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live and Doge, Dogecoin or Doggycoin, as she liked to call it, was trending all over Twitter. I mean, everybody was just this. This was a really this was a big deal for a lot of people. But I think it was kind of a big deal for the wrong reason. It, it really has a penny stock vibe to it. And, and like like you said, I mean, Dogecoin, ultimately, it was invented as, as a joke. I mean, it was more or less kind of a 
a thumbing a thumbing of the nose to, to crypto, I guess. Um, what do you, what do you make of this move towards penny stock like crypto vehicles, crypto instruments? I mean, is this you know we see we see it playing out in the stock market still even to this day. I mean, is this going to be a is this just going to be part and parcel of this market? I mean, we have to deal with the penny stock uh, segment of of crypto going forward. I think I think it's human nature, Jason. I mean, we see it yeah. in the stock market all the time. I mean, you know, even now, even even with fractional share investing, even with different ways of getting into high price stocks, you still have a group of investors out there who are less willing to invest in Amazon because its stock is three thousand bucks a share, thirty five hundred, wherever it is these days. Yeah, um, they would prefer to buy some stock that's three dollars a share or thirty cents a share. Because instead of being able to afford, you know, one tenth of a share with three hundred bucks, suddenly they, you know, they can buy a hundred shares or a thousand shares of that penny stock, and they, they feel like they're more invested in it. They have more of a return. Yeah, I, I think that's part of why we've seen Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin did its big explosive move up. It's around sixty thousand bucks now, but it's been kind of doing, you know, it's hovering in that fifty to sixty thousand dollar range. Meanwhile, we've seen the lower priced uh, tokens do really well. I mean, Ethereum, yeah. you know, that, you know, I mean, it's not that much lower. It's, it's not, it's an order of magnitude lower priced. It's still one of the highest priced out there. Uh, but its returns over the past few months have, you know, really, really crushed Bitcoin. And, you know, it, one of the interesting things going on Binance, or if you're on a coin, you know, wherever you are, if you're, if you're trading the thing, if you look, you, you'll notice that it's the, it's the lowest priced tokens uh, that are offered on whatever exchange that you are, they'll see even more volatility than you'll see in most of the other tokens. And so, you know, Dogecoin's a great example of that because, you know, I mean, it, it was only a couple of months ago, you buy the thing for a penny, you buy the thing for a nickel, and it's essentially a lottery ticket. And, you know, a lot of people just won the lottery because now it's 50 cents. <laughs> and... You know, I mean, yeah, people want it to be a dollar, but a lot of people, yeah, they already want it because I mean, 10x is 10x, you know, and whether it's five cents to 50 cents or 50 bucks to um, 500 bucks, it's still 10x. And so it's, you know, and I think it's just, that's just going to be a human nature kind of thing. Now, you know, Dogecoin, I think is unique because a lot of people think it's fun and, you know, the internet and pets. It, they go together. It's, you know, as long as you have cat memes, you have cat memes and you're going to have Dogecoin. I, I think it, you know, Dogecoin is going to be a lot around as long as cat memes are around. I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go on record saying that. I think that that's probably right. That's probably right. Uh, and that, that can be good and bad, right? And entertainment certainly has value, like you said earlier. Um, so if for someone like me who is, I don't know that I'm really interested in it regardless, maybe one day I do uh, gain some interest in it um, and, and want to consider dipping my toe in the water, but, but, but maybe going the token route isn't the right the right way to go. I mean, maybe it's maybe there are other instruments. I mean, there are there are ways to invest in crypto beyond just actually owning the tokens themselves, right? Sure. I mean, you know, you're starting to see, and this is the case with just about every kind of you know controversial or you know investing area that has issues where some people like it and some people don't. There's there's always kind of these 
different ways of playing it. And so you're starting to see now that crypto is kind of pulling out um, out of the corner into the mainstream, you're starting to see companies that, you know, they're not going to be directly invested necessarily in crypto, but they're going to make money based on people being interested in crypto. And so, you know, I mean, the Coinbase IPO is a great example of that where, you know, I mean, Coinbase doesn't necessarily have to own for its own account any cryptocurrency at all. I think probably it does, but it doesn't have to. The business model wouldn't say that it would have to. And so to that extent, you know, the same way that, that, you know, a stock, and if you think the stock market's going to be active, then you can buy shares of a company like Charles Schwab, who, you know, makes brokerage services available to folks. Same way, if you think crypto is going to be a, a hot thing, but you don't want crypto exposure, you just want exposure to an expanding industry, then, you know, Coinbase is attractive. And another stock that I've looked at a lot is Silvergate Capital, oh, uh, which yeah. is ticker yep. SI. Uh, they have kind of become, the go-to, uh, you know, services and uh, financial services player in the background of a lot of these cryptocurrency companies that uh, are trying to make a splash in the in the industry. And so, you know, if if there's a crypto element to it and it needs financing of some sort or it needs some sort of traditional financial services support, then Silvergate's done a really good job of being, hey, we're the one, we know everything. Uh, you know, We've done this for a thousand people before you and we'll do them for a thousand people after you. There's no reason to talk to somebody else who doesn't know as much as we know about getting stuff done, come to us. So far, that's been a really good business model. And it's the same sort of thing that you see in other areas where it's like, you can, you can kind of take away the risk of the actual token cryptocurrency price movements and still participate in if you think that this is an innovative place, if you think that this is something that's going to get the attention of the business world, not just this month and next month, but next year and over the next 10 years. And you know, if you don't think it's going away, then those are some plays that you can look at. And I'm sure there's going to be more and more companies that find innovative ways to make it easier, more effective, get more out of cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, because the money's there. And now that the money is there, uh, there's incentive for smart business people to find ways to put it to work. And once yeah. that happens in any industry, you, you really start to get that creative vibe going and that builds excitement and that builds and builds and builds on itself. As long as there's no catastrophic, you know, kind of, you know, implosion of the industry, I think you've reached critical mass and it's, and it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think we're at a point where love it or hate it. I mean, this isn't going away. It's a, it's a matter of ultimately figuring out the most ideal use cases uh, in, in, in recognizing the winners uh, versus the losers and, and that, that, Obviously, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some learning. It's going to take some better understanding as to, to the purpose that uh, these instruments ultimately serve. I feel like if I feel like if I were interested in, in, in dipping into, I'm not yet, but maybe that maybe that itch will come eventually. I'm probably I probably start with the pick and shovel plays first. I like that Silvergate's one that Matt and I talked about before a little bit. Uh, Coinbase, absolutely a fascinating IPO that's just come public. Uh, a couple of good ideas for investors interested in the space to keep an eye on. 
Dan, I think that's going to do it for us this week, but I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk about this with us. It's not a subject we cover a whole heck of a lot on this show, uh, but but we do like to give it its due attention. And, uh, and having you dig into all of this uh, has been really helpful for me and, and I'm sure for our listeners as well. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I know Matt wasn't able to be here, but uh, always glad to help out. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's just such a fascinating part of what's going on in, in the markets today. Well, remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, or The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Dan Kaplinger, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 